Welcome to Talks with Trav with your host, Travis Diamond. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm I'm excited for today's episode. I have a very interesting guest, a man who's lived quite the life, and I'm excited for him to share his journey and his area of expertise with you all today. I'm speaking, of course, of Liam Naden. Liam is a speaker, teacher, writer, and researcher, and he helps you create true success in your life by understanding how to use your brain the right way, overcoming your problems, achieving your goals, and ending frustrations. He's the host of the Let Yourself Off the Hook podcast. Liam is also an experienced marriage and relationship coach, hosting the Growing in Love of Life podcast. He's an author of two books and the 20-volume Growing in Love for Life series of short books on marriage. Liam, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. How are things? Hi, Travis. I'm good, thanks. And thanks for having me. I'm really good. To, it's really good to be here as well. Yes, sir. Of course. Of course. Um, now, before we started recording, you told me that you were uh, you were currently in the mountains in Spain. And that kind of ties into where I really wanted to start with the conversation. And one thing that I did find interesting is you spent a significant period of your time of your life um, traveling through on your yacht through Europe. I believe it was eight years, correct? Sailing on your yacht through Europe. Um if you don't mind, I mean, just share with me what made you want to take that journey in life. Was it something that you and your wife decided to do together? Was it just, a, um, hey, let's do this and see how it works. And the next thing you know, it's been eight years or what happened with that? Well, there's a there's a short answer and a long answer. And the long answer is the real answer. So maybe I could just give you a bit of background about how I got to that point, because it probably yeah. ties in what a, a lot of your listeners are, are the, the journey they're on. And, you know, for most of my life, I was I was one of these people consumed with how to be a success, you know, how to get the most out of life. And I wanted to be rich and I wanted to be happy and I wanted to be really I was driven to be the best person that I could be. I was always thinking, how can I achieve more? How can I learn more about being a better person and being more successful in my life? And I went through studying a whole lot of different things. And I also went down the route of of running my own business and I've had 18 different businesses in my life. So I've always had my own my own business and I've always been, you know, seeking to make money and seeking to have all the good things in life. And also at the same time, I was studying personal development and self-help and all of those things like goal setting and motivation and peak performance yeah, yeah. and also spirituality and meditation and, you know, really and I'd go to seminars all over the world. I'd read books. I'd do courses. You you name it. I was you know I was becoming an expert on success. I really wanted to to learn as much as I could about how to be the best that I could be. And I was really successful. I became a multimillionaire, and I had lots of things going on. I was enjoying the good things of life. But one thing I noticed that I did have that I didn't like was a lot of stress, a lot of problems. And really, I'd got to the stage of of believing what I'd read in a lot of places anyway, that that's the price that you pay for success. You have to learn to deal with problems. You have to learn to live with stress and problems. If you want, you know, that's that's what being successful is all about. It's overcoming challenges and, and dealing with, with things that, that, are, that you don't like. So here was I, really successful on the outside, multimillionaire, doing well. 
and really stressed and figuring out and thinking, well, eventually I'll get rid of all the stress. I just need to keep setting bigger goals and achieving more. And that's what my life was like. And really, that's what life is like for many people who are on the success path. But something happened in my mid-40s that really wasn't anything to do with my my goals setting, my plans. And that was I lost everything and I became homeless. And I literally went from being a multimillionaire to having to move in to my elderly mother's apartment and sleep on the sofa in her living room. I, I literally just got completely cleaned out. So when that experience happened to me, it, what it what it did was, like all crises in life, they cause you to reevaluate and to rethink and to think, you know, maybe all of these things that I thought were the keys to life, maybe there's something different going on. Maybe there's something that I've missed because if I'm an expert on everything to do with success and I knew all the stuff about rewiring your thoughts and, you know, your subconscious mind and your beliefs and, and you know, affirmations and and positive thinking and all of that, I, I you know, neuro-linguistic programming and, and other techniques and meditation and all those, I knew all that sort of stuff. So when I lost everything, I, I re-evaluated my life. And, and in particular, I asked myself two questions. The first one was, why has this happened to me? Because I know I've got the goals list all mapped out. I've got it all worked out. This wasn't, this is completely unexpected and obviously nothing that I wanted. And the second question I asked myself was, what am I going to do about this? Because I had literally had no clue. I'd lost all my friends, my income, my businesses, my, you know, I'd moved to a strange town that I hadn't hadn't lived in before. So I didn't really know anybody and I had no prospects for getting out of the hole that I was in. But eventually I did. And what happened after that was really interesting because it, when I started to rebuild my life, things happened in a very different way. And I started to make money again. I started to create new businesses. I started to do marriage and relationship coaching and other forms of coaching. And I had a couple of other online businesses as well. So things were starting to go really well again. But what I noticed was there a couple of interesting things. Firstly, this time around, I wasn't really chasing after success. I wasn't really struggling and trying to set more goals. And I mean, I was working hard, but I, there wasn't, I wasn't struggling. Things, it was, it was as if in a funny sort of way, rather than chasing after success, which I'd spent my life doing, it was as if success was actually chasing me. You know, I'd meet people unexpectedly or, or opportunities would show up or things would happen in a very unex, in unexpected ways that, Sometimes I might call luck or coincidence, but these things were happening. And the other thing that was was different, I didn't have the stress and the problems. Things were actually working really well. So I said to myself, I need to figure out what I'm doing differently because I am doing something differently because this has not been my experience of, of a really happy life before. And so that's when I went and did, went into this whole area of researching how the brain works. But along the way, you know, you ask how I how I came to be sailing around Europe on a yacht for eight years. It's a really funny thing. How do it really comes down to how do we really get the results we get in our life? And most of the time, the really significant things that happen to us, and I think this is something your listeners could really think about. If you really think about the most significant things that happen to you, 
They're not what you put on a goals list. So you meet somebody and you go, oh, I think I'm going to marry that person. So the person you marry or even a career you have or a business opportunity, there's something that makes these things come along. Now, you might have on your goals list that you want to be successful or rich or you want to have a that specific person at that specific time. So what is going on? And it turns out that something completely differently is going on. And that's really what led me down the path to sailing on a yacht for eight years around Europe. Because if you were to say to me, why did I do that? It's because it seemed like a good idea at the time. Literally, it wasn't on any long-term goal plan. But my partner and I, what we do, what we did, and and what we still do is we just say, what's the next thing that seems like a good idea to do? And we just follow that path. And it turns out when you're doing that, you're using a different part of your brain. You're not using the struggle part of your brain because what I call your survival brain, because that part of your brain that you're using when you're trying to figure stuff out, when you're trying to work out what you need to do, you're trying to gather more information, you're trying to figure out what your goals should be, you're struggling with problems and you're trying to put in all this struggle and effort and you're filled with anxiety and stress. <clears throat> all that comes from using a part of your brain that literally blocks you from having your ideal life. So that's the, and that's really my message now. What I teach people is how to activate the other part of your brain, the same part that brings to you these coincidences and good things and unexpected things that shape your life. There's a part of your brain that does that, but it doesn't operate when you're trying to struggle and figure things out. <clears throat> Excuse me. So literally, coming back to the sailing thing, as I say, it turned out to be eight years. And every day of that eight years was like, where are we going to go tomorrow? What are we going to do next? And the great thing about sailing is you've got the weather to factor in and things change. So you have to keep continually learning the lesson that you can't plan things too far in advance. You've literally got to keep taking the next step. So we had a journey initially when we started, when we met, um, she didn't have much either and I didn't have anything. So we were rebuilding our lives together from, from, a, from literally from scratch. So we did lots of things. We went house sitting for a couple of years, looking after people's homes because we we were build, building our business and we didn't have the money to, to to put that into rent as well so we did that and then we bought a an rv motorhome and we we um lived we traveled around new zealand my home country for 18 months doing that and then we got a one then we just packed up a suitcase and took a one-way ticket to europe with no plans not knowing what was going to happen and a few months later we owned a boat and I mentioned to you before we uh, came on air that, you know, we actually sold that boat <clears throat> three, about six months ago. Again, we had no idea what we were going to do, do next, but the next right step felt like time to do something different and, that, and the right thing will show up. And we've recently just started on an adventure in an, an RV motorhome and we're traveling around Europe and that. But what we notice is when you use this other part of your brain, the part I call your creative brain, things really do fall into place for you. And you realize that your job is, is not to struggle and try to figure it out. It's to allow this incredible machine, this computer that is, has the capacity beyond any other computer on the planet, is to allow it to do its job. And its job 
is to make sure that you live the best life possible. So if that's its job, why not just allow it to do that rather than get in the way and try by right. struggling and, and uh, you know, creating problems for yourself? Well, thank you for breaking that down. Um, that, that's very interesting. Let, let me make sure I'm understanding correctly. When we tend to set very rigorous and rigid goals and we, we ask questions like, what do I have to do to accomplish this goal? We're preventing ourselves from truly being creative because we're asking that question from a place of scarcity and lack, that part of the brain. The struggle part of the brain, I believe, is what you referred to it as. But when we change that question from what do I have to do to what do I want to do, we then get to be creative and use the creative side of our brain. And that's when the limits or the options and possibilities are really limitless. And that's when we find those serendipitous moments taking place where we are able to just things just fall in a line for us kind of deal. Is that is that? Yeah. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. Okay. Well, that yeah, I'm very intrigued by that. Um, you you'd mentioned parts of the brains a couple of times. Are those the only two parts of the brain, or or do you have well, more? Well, the thing about all of this that that I, that really was an aha moment for me when I started to look into what was why my life was different was one thing I'd forgotten about, and I think many of us forget about this, is that we're busy trying to make our life the way we think it should be. But there's a whole lot of stuff that's beyond our control. And in fact, everything is beyond our control. And so in other words, there's something at work that is beyond our control that really shapes our life. And, and, but, and instead of using that, instead of being aware of that, we're busy fighting against it. And it's a natural biological feature of who we are, of all biological things. And so the real point to realize is that is that nature rules everything and you need to understand how you operate biologically because just like the rest of nature there are laws that govern what creates our success you know and it's a one analogy it's a little bit like um if, if we don't think that nature rules everything then convince yourself that you can walk off a 10-story building and go up in the air and it doesn't matter how much you pray, how hard you, you know, what positive thinking, what work you do on changing your beliefs and reprogramming, reprogramming your subconscious mind. The law of gravity is going to override all of that. And the law that overrides all of what you think you want about your life is what I call the law of thriving. And the law of thriving governs every biological organism, every living thing. Every living thing is designed for one purpose, and that is to survive. It, it has a biological wiring, and this, of course, includes us. It has a biological wiring. Its primary purpose is to survive. And the best way anything survives is by being the best that it can be. And for humans, we're also why we have that same biology because we're, we're part of nature as well. So we are wired biologically to be the best that we can be so that we have the greatest chance for survival along with every other, other living thing. And like every other living thing, nature has provided us with a mechanism whose purpose is to ensure that happens. And that's the brain. The brain has, has only one purpose, to make sure that you are the best that you can be so that you have the greatest chance for survival. Now, being the best that you can be also means being your happiest. You know, it doesn't mean just being strong physically. 
so that you can fight off attackers and fight off disease or whatever. It means being being your happiest because when you're happy, that's when you're resourceful, and that's also when you're physically at your best as well. Your everything about your physical body works better when you're feeling good. All your organs are are operating efficiently, so you literally are wired and designed to be happy. Your and your brain is this instrument which is. If you use it the right way, it's a machine which is there to tr to make sure that you're happy. That's what it's there to do. But but the question is, why aren't people happy? And why you know, if if I ask people, and I'm sure if you ask people, and if people listening ask themselves, are you the best that you can be? Do you really feel that you're living to your full potential? Are you really happy? Are you feeling really fulfilled in your life? And very very few people are. So why is that? If we've all got this machine that's designed to make sure that we are the best that we can be, why aren't we? It can only be one reason. And that's the same reason why any machine doesn't work properly, and that's because it's not being used the right way. Any machine you think of, like a motor car, if you use it the right way, it does its job. It gets you to where you're supposed to go, and it'll be easy, enjoyable, efficient, predictable. But if you don't use it the right way, What's going to happen? Problems are going to show up. And you don't say, oh, problems are natural when your car is blowing up. You know, you say, I'm doing something wrong. It's not working the way it should be working. So this is where the whole thing about um, your brain is so vital to understand. Because you can be busy out there trying to work it all out, trying to figure it all out. But if your brain is not operating the right way, you're never going to come up with the right answers. And you're also never going to do the right things. And you're also never going to have the right things show up in your life. So this is why it's so vitally important to understand how this machine, because that's all it is. It's just a machine. It's a natural biological machine right. designed to ensure that you survive and be the best that you can be. That's it. So let me hmm. ask you this. When, when someone asks themselves that question or you ask someone that question, are you happy? And they're honest, because as you pointed out, most people honestly are not happy. What What's the next step? How, do, how does someone go from being like, no, I'm not happy to, well, now I am happy. What, what do they need to figure out? Whether, is there like a, a list of tangible actions they take? Is, there, is it a mindset thing? Is it like exercise, eat healthy? Like what, what would you say helps people find that happiness to operate that mechanism properly? Yeah, well, you've you've said exactly what all you need to do is learn how to operate the mechanism properly, you know. And just using the car analogy, <clears throat> you know, if, if someone came to you and said, um, "I want to drive a car, but I don't know anything about it," or, or if someone said, "I want to drive a car, but I don't know anything about it," what would they do? Would they go and seek some advice on how to use it, or would they try and figure it out themselves? You know, you can imagine a person coming out of the jungle who's never seen a motor car and someone says, oh, you know, if you take that, you, you can go hundreds of miles with it. And they look at it and they have no clue what to do, but they see it's got wheels. So they think, oh, maybe what I should do is I'll get behind and I'll push it, push it along to where it's supposed to go. Now, they put in all of this enormous effort and, 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 and it, of course, it doesn't move or it, it there's a lot of effort for, for not much reward, if any reward. And then they say to themselves, it's me. I'm the problem. I'm not strong enough. I'm not putting enough, enough effort in. I'm not motivated enough. I'm not determined enough. I need to put in more effort. 
and they do that and what happens all they do is they end up wearing themselves out and not and not feeling happy at all in, in what they're doing but if someone comes along and says that's just not the way you do it it's so simple when you understand you get in and do a couple of things then the whole experience takes on a completely different well it becomes a completely different experience right and so to go from not being happy and not being fulfilled and not being the best that you can be to being what your biological purpose is, which is to be the best you can be, all that really requires is to to understand how your brain works. Because like with a motor car, once you understand it, and it's not and I've created a model which is based on all of the science, but it's it's simple to understand without all of the technical jargon. But once you understand it, you go, well that's obvious. I'll I'll just do it that way. And it's not difficult. It's just totally logical. But if you don't understand it before that, if you don't understand it, you're constantly going to say, well, I'm not sure if that's how it works. Okay, so I know I don't know if the engine in the car is going to work. Maybe I should sometimes get out and push it, whatever. So the, the beautiful part about all this is it doesn't require a lot of sort of training and 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 exercise and doing all all sorts of different things it's just when you when you understand how it works you automatically do, use it in a different way you use it in the natural way and then you get the natural results which is a life of, of you being the best that you can be because the other really interesting thing about this just as an aside is people say well you know but everyone's got problems in their life you know problems are natural problems are good for you problems help you grow the funny thing is, on a biological level, from a biological perspective, problems don't make any sense because problems don't help you. They don't help expand, extend your life. They don't help you survive. You know, they don't help you. That They wear your body out. You know, stress and problems are actually the cause of disease and the cause of shortening people's lives. So you'd have to really say, logically, that problems are unnatural. And when you really re realize when you when you start using your brain the right way, you realize your brain is there to make sure you don't have problems, and that most of the problems that you do have are because you've used your brain the wrong way, and you've created and you've somehow created problems, like any machine does when it's not used the right way. Right, right, and that's it's interest. That's an interesting perspective about problems and stress because I hear so much in the personal development and self help world, and I'm sure you've heard this too. If you solve enough people's problems, then, you know, you'll get what you want in life or, you know, problems are there to help you level up and get better and be creative and all of that. So it's interesting to hear, well, actually, you know, they're, they don't make sense from a biological standpoint. So I, I like that. And that actually kind of is a great segue to the next question I wanted to ask you. And you touched on this earlier. So we, um, you had said that you were doing multi-million dollars worth of business. You live by all means, you were a success, but then you, the one thing that you had that you didn't want was an absurd amount of stress. How does one get rid of that stress? Like if, cause I know for me personally, and I'm sure you obviously figured that out. That's how you were able to rebuild your life. But when things are going good and that stress is still there, it can be challenging to get rid of it. So I can only imagine, actually, I know from firsthand experience, when things are not going good and that stress is still kicking you in the face, it's very hard to even kind of do what you need to do. So how would you go about 
getting rid of that stress and, and allowing your brain to function the way it's supposed to. Okay. Well, you know, one of the functions or one of the, um, the symptoms of being under stress is needing and wanting a quick fix. Because when you're stressed, the part of your brain, and we'll, I'll, I'll introduce you to the, your listeners to the four parts of your brain and how they work, and that will help clarify how this all works. But when you're feeling stressed, your brain, the part of your brain that is active, is looking for a quick fix. So, of course, when you are feeling stressed, you're saying, how do I get out of stress? Give me a quick way to, what do I need to do next to get rid of the stress, you know, or, or get on the path getting rid of the stress? And it's the same part of your brain that's always looking for quick fixes to make you feel better. So you reach for a cigarette or a drink or some food that's bad for you or watching some, you know, watching the news, which makes you feel bad, but in a funny sort of way makes you feel good. It takes away some of your pain or whatever all these things are. I call, the, I call them dopamine hitters because they give you this shot of feel good, <clears throat> but they don't actually help you. So when, when it comes to saying to yourself, how do I eliminate my stress? You have to say, this is not not going to happen overnight, and it's not going to be one thing I, I, I do, and it's going to get rid of my stress. I have to start with the foundations of what's causing the stress in my life in the first place. And what's causing the stress in your life is using the wrong part of your brain. So the first step is to understand how your brain works, what your brain is, what the four parts are, I can explain that simply, and the fact that what causes you to activate the wrong part, which not only makes you feel stressed, but, but is going to create more problems in your life. And when you activate that part, you shut down another part, which is actually your problem-solving part. If you really want to solve the problems in your life and get rid of the stress, and it, you know, it's not going to be tomorrow, um, but if you really want to get on the path, you have to learn how to activate this other part of your brain that is the problem-solving part. And gradually... When the more you use this part of your brain, the fewer problems you have in your life and the less stress. And one day you go, you know, I'm a, I actually don't really have any stress in my life. And when, when things come along and knock me off track, what I realize is when I feel stress is I've activated this other part of my brain. That's all I've done. Very interesting. I like that a lot. So because one of the things I'm, I'm a coach as well. And one of the things that I focus on is helping leaders reduce stress and improve that work-life balance. And I, I also teach them to go to the root cause of the stress, which oftentimes, and you're giving it a different vocabulary. And I really like what you're the, the words that you're putting to it is I, I explained to them that when they have a situation in life that they believe is causing stress, oftentimes it's, it's the, the perspective they have about it is what's really causing the stress, not the actual situation. Yeah, if you have a boss that sucks, that can be stressful, but is it really that the boss is stressing you out or is it that you need to change your perspective to have see that you have an opportunity to you know, improve your skills so you don't have to work under your boss or whatever the case may be? Because I've found oftentimes stress is actually there as an indicator that you need to make some type of change. So be it perspective or, for example, I always use the example of for acute stress, if you're going down the highway and those blue lights get behind you and it's a cop about to pull up on you and pull you over, the indicator for that stress signal is, hey, I'm probably speeding and I shouldn't do that. So let me slow down. You know, we have all of those throughout life. So I really appreciate the the perspective that you're putting on it and explaining that it's 
ultimately just you're using the wrong part of your brain. And you've mentioned the, the parts of the brains a couple of times. So do you mind sharing what the four parts of the brains are and just telling a little bit about them? Sure. Yes. Well, so essentially you have four parts to the brain and I've given these layman's terms, if you like, but the, these are all backed up with scientific explanations. Perfect. And really, this is a model which, like all models, do we know whether it's true or not? Not really. But will it help us? Does it help explain how we operate? And will it help us achieve our purpose, to, which is to be the best that we can be? And, and, and I really back engineered this from my own experience because I realized this is what I was doing and this is what had created the change in my own life. And now that I share it with other people, and it, it enables them to create changes in their life as well. But essentially, the four parts are the first one is what I call your thinking brain and your thinking brain, which is physically located on the top of your head, sometimes called the neocortex or the cerebrum. OK, so what the what the thinking brain is, what its job is, is to gather information and store information. So every single thing, every piece of information that you've gathered through your five senses, everything you've seen, smelt, touched, taste or heard or thought in your life is taken through those senses and stored as a piece of information in your thinking brain. And you can retrieve that information at any time and it helps you identify and make sense of the world and also helps you communicate because then you can express ideas with other people and they understand what you're talking about and what you mean. But that, So it's like a library or a database of all of the information that you've gathered. That's your thinking brain. The second part of your brain, which is important, is, is what I call your feeling brain, your emotional brain. And this is located just below your, your the top part of your brain and inside your head. And really, as the name suggests, this is responsible for creating feelings. It, it's what makes you feel good, all, all the emotions from good and bad emotions. These are created through chemical inter, chemical reactions in this part of your brain. The third part of your brain is your survival brain. And this is what I call your survival brain. This is at the back of your head. And this manages all of your survival functions, which is not what you're thinking about or what you're feeling, but you know all your bodily organisms, all of your physical functions to make sure you keep being alive and, and hopefully operating efficiently in, in the best that you can be. This is your survival brain. There's one other, but there's one particularly interesting part of your survival brain or a, or a, um, a weapon or a tool that it has to ensure your survival and what and what I it's what you've probably heard as as the fight or flight response and what this is this is a tool or a weapon that your brain has and produces in your survival brain to be used probably only once or twice in your lifetime if ever to fight off an immediate threat to your survival now, obviously, when the brain was developed, you know, millions of years ago, there were a lot of physical threats to survival. So you'd be walking along the, the forest and a lion might jump out at you or a snake might be there. or There are all these immediate dangers. So what happens is when you're faced with an immediate threat to your survival, what your brain recognizes as an immediate threat to your survival, it activates your fight or flight. And it's something called your sympathetic nervous system that gets activated. And what it does is it puts you in a particular brain state so that you're, you're totally focused on eliminating that threat or that danger. And you react. So you jump out of the way or you shout for help or you whatever it is. But that part of your brain, which is a response only to 
an immediate threat to your survival. That's all that it's there for. It's activated by feelings of fear. So when you feel fear, stress, worry, anxiety, what your brain is actually interpreting is that there's something in your environment that is a threat to your survival. And what it does, as I said, is, is that it takes all its resources to fight that danger. So, so it reacts to the threat or whatever. It also shuts down all of your awareness and gets you only focusing on what is negative. So because you're looking for the danger, you know, you're looking, you, the lion might be there, but what else, other dangers are in the grass? So your brain becomes very limited in its focus, very negative in its focus, and it's designed simply to remove an immediate threat there right now to react. It's not in, pro it can't solve problems, it can't see the bigger picture, it can't plan, it can't strategize. All it can do is react to what it sees as an immediate threat and take that next thing to get rid of it. Now that's really useful. But it's limiting. And we'll talk about why that is, because the fourth part of your brain is the part of your brain that I call your creative brain. This is the part of your brain that's designed to be running the show nearly all of the time, because it's designed to make you the best that you can be. This is where your imagination, your creativity, your awareness, those gut feelings that you get, those aha moments when you get an idea that you've never had before, we get this feeling, ah, oh, there's something not right, or this feels right, or this doesn't feel right. It doesn't come from your conscious thoughts. It's not something you've figured out and worked out. Often these ideas come at random. And, you know, creative people like musicians or artists, they talk about this state where, you know, they just heard the music and they wrote it down. They don't know where it came from. It wasn't something they planned. This is the creative brain. It's not to do with your thinking. It's not to do with reacting to danger it's to do with it's really your connection to an infinite intelligence which is designed to make sure you're always doing the right things and things like luck and coincidence which we might call luck and coincidence from a limited awareness they're not luck and coincidence they're this incredibly powerful machine doing its job to make sure that everything that happens in your life is the best for you to be the best that you can be but that part of your brain is shut down when you feel stress, fear, anxiety, worry, because you're activating that survival, fight or flight, sympathetic nervous system part of your brain. And that takes all of its resources from everywhere else. And it shuts down your creative brain because when a lion's about to attack you, you don't want your brain looking at all the good side of, of what's going on or, you know, oh, all right, there's a lion about to eat me, but but this is a beautiful forest and look at the lovely flowers and, tr and the trees trees that are around or maybe i need to plan a strategy here on on what i should do you know it, it's not so it, it literally has to be shut down that part of your brain when you're faced with an immediate threat so what's the big problem it's obvious isn't it whenever you feel fear stress worry anxiety you're blocking off the part of your brain that's designed to run your life it's designed to make sure you don't have problems it's designed to make sure you make the right decisions you do the right things you feel good and everything yeah. goes what's called being in the flow, being in the zone when everything's going well. That's how you're naturally designed to be. So what you've got to realize is that if you feel fear, stress, worry, anxiety, that's the enemy. Biologically, you've got to make that your project is to say, what's causing me to feel fear, stress, worry, anxiety? And if it's a trigger to something, is it a threat to your survival? Is somebody yelling at you or 
you know, your business sales down for the month or the stock market crashing or your wife telling you that she wants a divorce or any of those things a threat to your, to your immediate survival? They're not. Your brain, you have trained your brain through a lifetime of misinformation and wrong, you know, what everyone else has said and done about, you know, oh, problems are natural and, you know, you have to struggle and life's hard and all those sorts of things. You've trained your brain to see all of these lions all of the time when they're not there. And that's what keeps you stuck and doesn't allow your creative brain to work. And, you know, the funny thing is, when I started to realize this, I, I thought, you know, I've heard this before when I researched all this. And then I suddenly realized, because I was brought up a Christian, this is what the Bible teaches. In the, the Bible is the best manual on how to use your brain that exists. It says more than 360 times, be not afraid. Do not be afraid. It doesn't say, try not to be so worried about life. It says, don't be worried, because when you are afraid, you activate the wrong part of your brain. And your God-given, if you like, natural creative brain can't do its job to make sure you're the best you, that you can be. So fear is the enemy. It activates the wrong part of your brain, which keeps you stuck. And so if you try and work out your life and figure out your goals and figure out what you should do and what's the right thing, you know, what's going to make you happy and all that in that state, that part of your brain doesn't know the answers to any of those questions. It's only there to react, you know. And so this is why also people spend their life going after the wrong goals and struggling. And, you know, I think if you're struggling to achieve something, it's your brain trying to tell you, look, I'm going to make this hard for you because it's the wrong thing. When it's the right thing, I'm not going to make it hard for you. Yes, you're going to have to put in some effort, but it, but I'm not going to make it hard for you because it's not supposed to be hard. But if it's the wrong thing, I am going to make it hard for you and hopefully you'll give up and then you'll allow me to do what I'm here to do, which is to make sure that the right things happen in your life. But what stops people is they have this preconceived idea of how their life should be for them to be happy. And they're worried. They're stressed and think, I need to know what to do next. I can't just allow something to take control of my life. I need to be in control. I need to, you know, I need, what's going to, I need to plan for my retirement or I, you know, I need to figure out what, what I should do next year and have everything planned. Your brain works. You have this machine, which is just saying to you, sit back, relax, take the next step. I'll always show you the next step and everything will work out fine. And don't worry about it. And don't think, I've got to do this, otherwise I won't be happy. Your brain, your creative brain knows far more than you do, particularly when you're in a stress state, about what you need to be happy. And if you allow it to do its job, what what very often happens for people when I help them with this idea is really unexpected things happen in their life and they end up doing something completely different to what they were doing. And they go, I never thought I'd be doing this, but wow, it's right. so much better and I'm so much happier. But I didn't I could never have figured it out. Of course yeah. you could. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And I've, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone sharing their story and say something along the lines of, I never thought I would be doing this. I stumbled into this by accident. You know, I, it just turns out I was really good at it. You know, one, one of those things. And I, uh, to, to touch on what you were saying about the, the creative part of your brain doesn't work properly when you're in that fight or flight state. And it's almost like we are trained at all times to be in that fight or flight state because everything's a danger and we have to be a fearful of everything. And 
no matter what you do, what you wear, what you eat, there's, there's negative sides to it. And it's really made into these grandiose problems. So all you can do is perceive the world from that fight or flight state. And I think that's why so many people, when they're stressed out and they're trying to work on something, a project, if you will, they're like, man, I just can't focus on this. I, I, I can't, all I can think about is this. And I'm speaking from personal experience when I have stressors in my life and I have a deadline on something I have to do, that only makes it worse. So yeah. I used to, I've kind of ebbed and flowed a little bit and taking different perspectives, trying to figure out what's worked for me throughout life. And you kind of gave me a little clarity on that and what you were just saying, because many years ago, I used to be a very go with the flow. Life will happen as it happens. Be, be intentful, of course, don't be aimless, but just, you know, don't, I don't have to plan everything out. I just, I wake up, I do what I know I'm supposed to do. And then the day goes. And I found that I met some great people. I made great connections. I, I got a really good job and, you know, the dominoes started falling in place for me. And then I got into a position of leadership and I said, okay, now I have to be very careful with my day. I have to be meticulous and make sure everything is ironclad and every minute is, is detailed out. And that's when I found myself having significantly more stress in life. And I chalked it up to, well, I have significantly more responsibility. So greater responsibility means greater stress. And I realized after I left the company that I was working for and started getting more back to the taking the day as it comes and more so using that creative brain, as you put it, as opposed to the, the survival brain, I found that, yes, there's still stress. Yes, there's still things that are unexpected that happen that are problems, if you will, but they don't last long and I'm, they're a lot easier to overcome. And even in those stressful states, my ability to overcome that stress is significantly better than it was when I was, you know, in leadership and, and I had all of the accolades that I was supposed to have and everything. Um, but you also said something that I want to ask you a question on. You had mentioned that when you're in that creative state, these ideas come to you um, from like a greater source. Have you read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? No. No? He talks about that. It's it's a great book, and I, I believe you would love it because he talks about that. And one of the things that he says is he refers to that greater source where ideas come from as the muse. And he says that when you realize that these are not your ideas, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, like they – you don't have to sit here and say, cause he's a writer, obviously. So he's like, when, how, what do I need to write my next book about? What do I need to write my next book about? Instead of doing that and just sitting down and starting writing, the ideas just flow to him. And there's, there's a quote in there. I can't remember the author's name, but somebody was interviewing him, asking him about inspiration. Oh, well, do you just write when you find inspiration? He's like, yeah, I write when I'm inspired. It just so happens that that inspiration shows up at 9am every day. Cause that's when he would sit down to just start writing. And then the ideas would flow in with no, he wouldn't be like, oh, I've got to write about this subject. He would just start writing and then the ideas would flow. So find that pretty interesting. I think you should uh, check that book out. You'd probably enjoy it. Well, I mean, all, all um, uh, spiritual traditions throughout history have talked about this. <clears throat> where where does your where does intelligence come from? And again, the problem is when when you're in a constant state of anxiety. Remember, I mentioned earlier in this fight flight state when you're in your survival brain state 
your perspective is very limited. And that part of your brain, which is always looking for looking at the danger and how to react, it, it doesn't have awareness. So if you were to say things like there's a higher intelligence that's that's that manages your life and wants everything to work out for the best for you, you can't see that. You think, oh, well, that that no, that I, I, that's all mumbo jumbo. But when you actually start using this part of your brain, it all makes total sense. You know, I used to be a um, keyboard player, a, an organist. I did did a degree in organ and harpsichord at university, and I and I used to play a lot better when I wasn't trying to figure out to hit the right notes. I mean, obviously, I practiced a lot so that I did know the notes. But when I actually came for performance, if I was really worried and trying to think about where my fingers were going, I didn't play very well. But when I actually allowed this to flow through me and just, in other words, let go, if you like, and trusted that it was going to happen, then it worked. And it's whether it's writing, whether it's interacting with other people in a conversation or doing anything. If you just know, if you know that the right thing is going to happen and, and, you, and you stop worrying about it, you activate your creative brain. That's having no fear. That's you know, that's have faith, it says that in the Bible, believe, trust, all of that comes from using your creative brain. And the good thing right. is the more you do this, it's like if you're a great athlete or you're a musician or whatever, or a writer, you know that it's going to come out, that the right things, if you just allow it. But if you, if you really try and force it, you're going to mess things up. But there's like a line you have to cross to get to that stage where mm -hmm. you actually have enough understanding and ex of how your brain works and experience of it at work to see that's the way it works for you to allow that to happen on a continuous basis. Before that, you're, you're going to be hanging on and you're going to be struggling. And you're going to be, well, that sounds good in theory, but, but you know, there's no, there's no safety net if I do yeah. that. Yeah. I tell you, I wish we would, I would have had this conversation with you when I first began my podcast journey, because that would have saved me a lot of frustration. I, I took, um, I told you I, before we started recording that I do a lot of monologue on podcasts and I'm getting into the world of interviewing people. Well, before, it's somewhere along the way, I started letting the ideas come to me instead of trying to force them. I would pick a topic that I thought I needed to talk about and then I would write down these points and it just everything had to be perfect and I would spend four hours trying to get a 30-minute episode recorded and, and ironed out right. And it would just frustrate me and stress me out. And then somewhere along the way, I took a break and then I came back to it and I didn't intend to come back. I just sat down and I was like, you know what? I want to get this off my chest. And I started talking and that ended up being one of the best episodes that I've ever done as far as, you know, what I felt personally, but also the feedback and the reviews that I received from it. And then from that point on, I have a notes app in my phone and anytime the muse, if you will, presents me with an idea of a topic, I will just pull it out. I'll start writing whatever the topic is and then certain points that come to me. And I don't, I don't sit and think about it. As, as soon as they stop coming, I stop writing. And then I come in and start talking and I don't have a script. I don't have any of that. I just have certain phrases, if you will, to, to signal, Hey, we're going to talk about this. And, and I don't force them. I don't pick them. They come to me. And it sounded weird when I would explain that to my wife, but it made sense to her because, you know, she, she does a lot of creative, creative work and writing and stuff as well. So she understood what I was saying and I'd never experienced that. At least I didn't think I did, but you brought up something when you were talking about playing on the keyboard and just when you weren't worried about messing up, 
it worked perfectly. I wrestled in high school and I wasn't very good. I mean, I was okay, but I definitely wasn't like top tier by any stretch of the imagination. And the best matches I had was when I went in with no expectation of winning because I'm like, oh, this person is, they beat me twice this year. They're already, they're much better than me. I just want to go in and just do my best. And I would, I actually won a couple of matches I should not have won because I went in with no expectation of, oh, if they do this, I have to do this. I just flowed with it and ended up in great position. So, you know, to your point that that makes a lot of sense because I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking of real life experiences that I've had and that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, just another thing, a, a really important point to understand, I think for people about how your brain works is if you think about it biologically, the other the other thing about your brain is it's trying to be as efficient as it can with your body. So in other words, it's trying to get the maximum result for the minimum amount of energy in, in, that you use. Now, obviously, from a survival point of view, you know, there might be times in, in your life when you don't have enough to eat. We're talking about, you know, raw biology here. Or the conditions aren't right. So you've got so it's the brain is continually working to say, how can I conserve energy? Because I might need that energy for something else. Right. Now, when it comes to your life and mapping it out, what's the most the least um energy um or what's the most efficient use of energy when it comes to showing you what you should be doing to be the best that you can be in your life? What it is is showing you the next step. And nothing else. If it show, if your brain said, right, the most efficient thing is to show you the next 20 steps, show you what your goal should be, and, the, and here it is all mapped out for you, that's highly inefficient because what are you going to do in that case? You're going to go, you're going to question it and go, well, hang on, you know, here I am. I'm uh, I'm a, in school at a, I don't know anything about um, rocket science, and yet you're telling me my goal is I'm going to become a great rocket, rocket scientist. I don't know anything about it. So you're going to be questioning it. You're going to be and, and you're going to be wondering if it's the right thing. You're going to be looking at each step and and, and thinking, or oh, maybe I should do that, or, or and trying to um, figure it all out. Yeah, wasting a huge amount of energy. Whereas if you knew that all you needed to do was the very next thing that your brain shows you, that's the most efficient thing, and that's why your brain says, "Here's the next thing. Do that. Here's the next thing." It's efficiency from a biological perspective. So when you realize that, <clears throat> that's when you when you say, all I need to know is the very next thing to do. And anything that is causing me to feel stressed or worried, what is it? I'm trying, trying to figure out, is this the right thing to do? What should I be doing? What should I be doing next? Where is this going? Is it? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to have enough? Am I going to be happy? You know, we're trying to figure all this stuff out rather right. than realize your brain is saying look i've got all that stuff figured out for you long before that's my job is to and i can i'm tapping into an infinite intelligence that knows far more than what you've stored in your thinking brain all that you know is what you've got from your experience it's not what the totality of, of of information and knowledge even about you that exists but your creative brain knows all this it's its job biologically to know what is best for you so if it's like you've got somebody else out there, a wise old man who's just saying, look, do what I tell you, next step. And if you really believed in you that that wise old man knew exactly what was right for you, you would just do it. You wouldn't question it. You just keep taking it, taking the next step. And when you do that, 
that's when life becomes what it's supposed to be, an exciting adventure. And you go, wow, how's this happening? And oh, this is fun and I'm enjoying this. Rather than the stressful struggle that most of us have turned it into, we were trying to figure stuff out and we're worried about what's going to happen. It's not the way we're biologically designed. And we're just fighting against it by doing that. Yeah, that's, I love that approach. I really do. It is, it's refreshing because a lot of what I've learned in self-help and personal development and success training, if you will, because when you were explaining how you went on this journey, if you will, of becoming the best version of yourself possible, I can relate to that because I've spent pretty much the last decade of my life, yeah, give or take a year, um, devoted to that. Like i I didn't do anything other than I would get up, I would do my exercises, I would read, I would go to work, I would come home, I would clean the house or what have you, and then I would spend the rest of the time just devoted to improving my myself. And a lot of what I read is, or learned or was taught by coaches or through seminars, was that you have to know the end goal and you have to know step by step on how you're going to get there. And that would stress me out. I would, I would, I would do so good. I actually have an episode that I, I recorded when I first started doing podcasts, talking about reverse engineering your goals, how you, you know, where you want to be. So you have to start by putting the steps in place to get there. Like what are the, the daily things that you're going to do to get that big goal? Right. And then I realized after, cause I think I made it into like three episodes because it was so in depth. I realized that it was overwhelming me. And I have a decade of experience learning about this subject. I can only imagine how someone who's just starting out is going to feel. So I took a step back and was like, how can I still talk about accomplishing goals without saying, oh, well, you have to know what you're going to do every day, where you're going to be at in a week and a month and three months and six months and a year. Um, and then I realized one of the things that coaches do, like baseball coaches, for example, if they're trying to fix your swing, they're not going to tell you hey, you need to shift your right foot up and, and regrip the bat and angle your elbow here. They're going to tell you one thing at a time. So that's exactly what you're saying. You focus on that one thing, the next step. And, and um, I've actually brought this quote up a, a couple of times in the past few weeks. So it's almost eerie or ironic that it's coming up again, which is by uh, Lao Tzu is the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, or in this case, continues with the next step. Yeah, well, you know, the other thing, and uh, we could probably talk about this for another five hours, this whole area of goal setting, I, I, I'm sorry to say, <clears throat> it's a, it is complete baloney. And one of the ways you can know it is, is to say, what percentage of goals ever get achieved? And I ask this to people, I say, you know, you set goals, you're a goal setter. What percentage of goals that you've ever, ever set have you achieved? Is it 99%, 100%? They go, no, right, 95, no, 90, 80, 7, 50, not even close. And it gets down to about 2 to 3%. And that actually, there's been research done on this, that that's about the, the average. Only about 2 or 3% of goals that are, that are set ever get achieved. And it doesn't matter how many gurus are out there saying that that's not true, because even they would admit silently that it is true. Most of the people who go to their seminars and do all this goal setting, they're not achieving their goals. And I used to go to seminars and meet the same people year after year and think, 
why are we all stuck? No one's any closer. The only guy who's talking about how great goals are is the guy up there and somebody else that he's mentioned. And But none of us know anybody who's that it's working for because it doesn't work because goal setting usually is based on fear. You know, you're worried. You have to achieve something for you to be happy and you're, you're determined. So you're using the wrong part of your brain to, to achieve it anyway. But it's limiting you. It's limiting your focus. It's limiting your awareness. If you, you don't need to set goals, you just need to do the next thing and realize there's a part of your brain that's going to lead you exactly to the right place. And if you're trying to get somewhere else to the right place, what's the point in that? A, you're not going to get there. You've got a 2% chance of getting there. B, if you do get there, you're not going to enjoy it because it's going to be, and, and, and thirdly, you're going to be full of stress when you get there. So it literally... By again, this comes down to biology. It's not any. It's not um, any airy fairy spiritual idea. We're biologically, we have this machine which is is infinite in its power and potential. Its job is to make sure that we are the best that we can be. I mean, being our happiest, being our most fulfilled, doing the things that are going to make us the best that we can be. That's what it's there to do. Why should we get in the way? Why do we have to figure out what that looks like? rather than just trusting it. And as you've said, the number of people who say to you, wow, how did this happen? I would never have thought I'd be doing this. That didn't come from any goals list. I interviewed a man on one of my podcasts who was really successful. <clears throat> he had a At one point, he was quite elderly now, but um, he had a million customers. He had two private jets. He was running you know, a huge company. And he said, Liam, this, I, I could never have done this with a goals list. This would never have been on a goals list. You know, so he ran his life never thinking more than four minutes ahead. He said it's about four minutes. That's about, you know, and he was just take the next step and allow your brain, this machine to do its job, to take you to the right place. Stop, stop trying to figure out where that place might be. And if you run into stress in your life, think about why am I stressed about this? It's because I think something should happen. So I'm running a big successful company. And I think if I don't make it work, then all these employees are going to be my shareholders are going to be let down and I'm going to be whatever. How do you know that? You know, you're not responsible for every other person in your life. They're responsible for themselves. How do you know that something good might come out of it? When I lost everything, was that a bad thing? One of the, It was one of the best things that ever happened to me. So how could mm -hmm. I say that, you know, I should be struggling? Because if I hadn't gone through that experience, I wouldn't have started to learn about all this. I'd still be on that treadmill of trying to set bigger goals and and force things to happen and struggle and stress and feeling unsatisfied with my life. I'd still be down that track trying to learn more about some new technique about, you know, how to how to be a better goal setter or and keep thinking there's something wrong with me. I'm not clear enough in my goals. You know, I'm not motivated enough. I'm there's something in, that I'm not doing right. I'd be down still going down that track. I wouldn't know about any of this stuff. So that's where you have to trust and realize <clears throat> it's not you and your conscious thinking and everything that's stressing you. That's the path for your life, the right path for your, your life. It's to allow. And again, the brain, uh, sorry, the Bible talks about this as well. Do not give no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Do not worry about what you shall eat, wear or eat, drink or wear. It'll all be provided for you, just like it is provided for everything else in nature. Don't worry about it allow it to happen but it can only happen through this using this part of your brain allowing your brain to work the right way in other words 
That's that's powerful stuff, Liam. That's very powerful. Um, I've I've really enjoyed this this area of the conversation. And you're right. We probably could go on for a couple more hours about goals and the pros and cons and and the the honestly the the impact that they have on people, especially considering the vast majority don't accomplish their goals, the negative impact that they goal setting can have. Um, but I would like to also discuss another area of expertise that you have, and that's relationships. Um, you had, you had mentioned that <laughs> you had mentioned that you and your partner decided on a whim more or less to book a one-way trip to Europe with a suitcase and just let it happen. Just go. Now, was that a mutual decision or were, did you come to her and say, Hey, here's, did you go to your partner and say, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. What, what are your thoughts? How, how, how did they respond? Well, it's, it's pretty much all of our decision-making is we don't, we don't really know where the ideas come from. One of us might come up with an idea and the other one might, might go, yeah, that's, you're right. That's a good idea. Or we might both come up with it at the same time. But I think the key is to be in tune to say, does this feel, am I using, in other words, am I using my creative brain that this feels like the right idea? Now, we don't know what the next 20 steps are, but does this feel like it could be the next step? You mm -hmm. know, and another interesting example of that was um, we, we had a business <clears throat> that we were we're running and, and it was an, an online business selling a product, a physical product, and it was doing pretty well, but we were managing it remotely from our, our boat that w when we were sailing around, it was, it was operating in New Zealand and um, we'd, we'd set it up when we were living there. And then we got our one-way ticket and the business just, we were spending about five hours a week, I suppose, running the business and it was doing pretty well. It was making a decent income, nothing spectacular, but we could just see that because we weren't there to be a bit more active in the business, it was just gradually on a slightly downward slope. And for a long time, for years, we'd talk to each other, should we sell the business? And it was like, and she was probably more than I was about we should sell it because we're not, it's just, and it's not us anyway. It was something we were doing. It's not part of our bigger mission in life. And I was like, no, it doesn't feel right. You know, and she was, yeah, okay, whatever. And then one day about two or three years ago, I just woke up. And I said to her, we should sell the business. Now's the right time. It just felt different, you know. And logically, this was like a month before Christmas. It was mm -hmm. when all the lockdowns were going on. <clears throat> it was like, what? Now's the time to sell a business? It just felt right. So I got hold of a broker that day very easily. He had it uh, marketed within a week. Within two weeks, we had five offers on the business the, the one of which was 25% more than the asking price. And in four weeks, we had the money in the bank and the business was gone. Now, we could have struggled for years thinking, oh, we really should sell that business and work it all out logically. Mm -hmm. But it didn't feel, but when it felt right, that was the right time. And that's the key, I think, with any decisions. When you get to start using your creative brain and if you can have a partner work on this with you, so you both start to understand about trusting and allowing and going with your gut feelings and what's really happened and your greater awareness rather than worried and stressed about what might happen. Then when you start to do that, you do start to do things at the right time and not worry about, and, it, and if things don't go to according to plan, well, that's good because what is going according to plan? It's your expectation about the way you think things should be. 
Yeah. But it's like yeah. me losing everything. I thought I should never lose everything. How terrible that is. But it turned out to be a good thing in hindsight. So you've got to have that allowing that even if it doesn't seem to make sense, that on what that on some level it will. It it does make sense. So coming back to your question about my partner and I, well, that's how we, we really practice. I mean, not that we're perfect. <laughs> you sure. know, we still slip back into the survival brain mode. We're triggered by things from time to time, of course. But at least we're working on using the machine in a better way. And it it seems to be, if it feels right, you know, we've been to restaurants where we go and we sit down and we go, this doesn't feel right, does it? We get up and leave, you know, because we're not worried about we won't find another better restaurant or mm -hmm. we're not worried about what, what might happen. And really, that's the way we're designed biologically to live. We're, we're designed to enjoy what we're doing right now, not worry about what we're supposed to be doing tomorrow, whatever it is. So this this perspective that y'all share of, you know, just doing what feels right, was that something that y'all both kind of already had coming into the relationship? Or is that something y'all y'all built together? Like, how, how did both y'all get on the same page? Because it's rare for a, a couple to be on the same page with much of anything, in my experience, let alone something as significant as this. Well, you know, when I um, lost everything, including a relationship, my brain said I, I got to the point of not needing to be in a relationship. And therefore, when you get to that point where you don't need something, the right thing shows up. So when I got to the point of not needing to be in a relationship, the right relationship showed up for me. And one of the things I really teach people in my marriage and relationship coaching is you have to get to a place in your relationship where you don't need to be there, where you want to be there, because your need comes from fear. When you say, I need to be in this marriage for me to be happy, or I need to make this work for me to be happy, that comes from fear. That What you're really saying to yourself is, I'm worried about the future. If I wasn't with this person, I would never find someone as good. I would never find someone as better. I'd be on my own. I'd be lonely. So you're worried and fearful about all of those things. And what does that cause you to do? It causes you to activate the part of your brain that doesn't make you the best that you can be. You're not a fun, great, easygoing person to be around in a relationship when you're worried about, when you're needy, and when you're, when you're stressed and worried. So the key thing, if you want to create a relationship where things go really well and you're totally in sync with your partners, you have to let go of that relationship and say, I'm here because I want to be and it feels right. And if at some time it doesn't feel right, well, it will end and, and, and the better relationship will show up. Does that make sense? That makes a ton of sense, actually. Um, it's <laughs> um, it's like everything you're saying, I, I'm looking, I try to like, look how this applies to my life because obviously I can only understand things from my perspective. But um, something you said earlier, which ties into this is if you hadn't gone through those hardships or that dark time in your life, you wouldn't have got the value, the valuable lessons and you wouldn't have had the new perspective to get you what you have today and get you where you are today. Um, I can relate to that on a relationship level because I, after my previous relationship, I'm married now, I've been married for four, what? Yeah. Four years, three years. I'm not sure. Don't, don't let my wife know, but three or four years now we've been married. Um, but before we got together, I was single for seven years because I didn't 
like I ended a relationship. I had a relationship in that it put me in a dark spot. I overcame it, started focusing on myself. And I was what I felt was the happiest I'd ever been without a relationship. So I went into this with, I don't need this, but I want this. Exactly what you said. And we were able to have that kind of conversation from the beginning. It was not a, I need you. I need this. I need security. I need you to support me. It was none of that. It was, I want to be with you. You want to be with me. Let's do this. So I think because we we have a great relationship and and honestly I'm beginning to wonder I've thought about this a few times during our conversation if she's ever like came across any of your work because a lot of the stuff you talk about with just going not necessarily having that plan or those goals but just going with what feels right I can't tell you how many times she's come to me and said Travis I can't tell you why but I think this is what we need to do it it just makes sense to me it it yeah. feels right and over the years, you know, over the fi five years we've been together, countless times she said that to me. So I'm like, you know, and I trust her. I trust her decision. And and I have a bit of that in me as well. So I'm like, okay, I'd put my critical thinking cap to the side. And I said, let's, let's go. And more often than not, actually, every time we've done that, it that particular thing might not have been the success, but it introduced us to someone or a new opportunity or, or what have you that ultimately led to a much greater success in life. And by success, I don't mean financial. I mean, developing friendships or getting new experiences or getting knowledge or connections or what, whatever it may be. It's not strictly financial. Well, there's only one definition of success, and it's a biological definition. That's being the best that you can be, which means being happy. I love it. I love it. Science even has a word for that. It's called homeostasis. Mm -hmm. Homeostasis is the perfect functioning of the organism. Yeah. When you're functioning perfectly, you are happy. That's success. That's it. And everything else, in fact, that people think success is, what is it? It's just something that they think will make them happy. You, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're spot on with that. And I, I used to ponder the what is success a lot and i came up with this what i thought was a really cool catchy definition of success many years ago and i've become so far removed from that because i've learned that there is no like yeah being happy there is no actual definition that's one size fits all because what is happiness to you it's probably different than what it is to me there may be some overlap there may be a lot of overlap but to say this is the only definition of it is you know being happy that i, I like that that's the only one that i've heard in the last decade probably that actually resonates with me today so i appreciate you sharing that well, i mean happiness looks different for everybody right of course but the feeling of happiness which is biological feeling good which is you which is what, what you feel when you're activated your creative brain that's when you feel good that is you being your best so yeah. you know everything else whether it's a car a house and money or you know fame or whatever all of those things are things that you think when you achieve those will make you feel good mm -hmm. will make you feel happy but the goal is always to feel happy it's always yeah. to feel good you know you don't do things to make yourself feel bad you don't consciously right. want to do that it's not that, you know, you don't say I'm going to go live in a drain for a, for a while and feel terrible because maybe it'll be good for me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
Well, in the, the interest of time, I'm going to kind of start wrapping up. I do have a, uh, a couple more questions for you, really one or two. And one of them is one that I ask everyone, but I found, I forgot to ask you before we started recording. So I don't want to just blindside you with it. Um, are you much of a reader? I used to be, and now I just, uh, I don't read a lot anymore, to be honest. No. How, how do you do your learning now? Do you just I experience... Allow- I allow my creative brain to bring me the information that I need at the right time, the information that I need for me to be the best. And, you know, so much of it, this is a, I know this sounds a bit weird. The best conversations I have a lot are with myself, with my higher self. And you can develop a way to tap into an intelligence because I come up with ideas and you, I'm sure you and your listeners may have had this experience as well. You go, how did I think of that? That's brilliant. You know, and you realize more and more that there is an intelligence that you can tap into, that you're designed to tap into, that has all of the answers, all of the information to everything that you need right now for you to be the best that you can be right now. And you can just tap into that. But getting into reading hundreds of books, thinking that you're going to find the answers, again, that comes from fear. You know, you hear people say, oh, I've got to read. I've got to get more information. I've got to, you don't need more information. You need the right information at the right time that's going to be useful to you to make you the best that you can be. That's all you need. You don't need to read it. I used to have the biggest library of books on, you know, I could quote them all. But I realized these are just other people's ideas. And it's just Mm -hmm. a way of feeding your fear and in your thinking brain to keep cramming more information rather than just allowing the stream of infinite intelligence to come to you at the right time with the right information. And of course, when that information comes to you at the right time, you really hear it. You go, wow, that makes sense. I get it. I understand it. Whereas often you're reading books and you're getting all this information, but you're not, you know, it's not getting on to, to you at a deeper level. You can spout it all off. You can, you know, you can be the most educated person in the world, but it doesn't mean you have the the awareness and the knowledge that you need for you to be the best that you can be. That, that makes a lot of sense. I love that perspective. And it's funny that you said having all those books or reading all these books comes from a place of fear because I, I used to have a library that was close to 600 books. And when I was looking at downsizing, because my wife and I had had a, my daughter and I'm like, okay, I no longer have a room dedicated to a library anymore. So um, we got to downsize the books and I'm going through them. And I had a very, very, very hard time getting rid of books. And most of them I had not read yet. There's just not enough time in the day to read all the books, you know, yeah. especially if you try to like take information out and not just skim through the words. But out of nowhere, my wife just looks back at me. She was on the computer doing something and I had like a hundred books on the table and I'm scratching my head and they've been sitting there for an hour just repiling them in different piles, trying to figure out which ones I want to get rid of. And she turns around and looks at me and she's like, you're struggling with this because you're coming from a place of lack. You think those books have something that's going to give you that aha, that's going to change your life. And the reality is they don't, they have good information in there. They will teach you things. But when you are constantly thinking, what does this book have that I'm missing? You're never going to get that thing you need. So Again, another example of how my wife has kind of used that philosophy that you live by and unknowingly. Yeah, that's awesome. She hasn't done my course by any chance. <laughs> and that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm going to have to go ask, hey, do you know this guy? <laughs> but it is totally true because it's a bit like, imagine 
you someone comes and says this book will teach you what you need to know for you to be happy and it's one book and yet just behind you is a library with every book that has ever been written and somebody standing there and saying i can find you the one page in the one book that will make you that you need right now to be the best and happiest that you can be and you don't need to go and look for it i'll go and look for it for you and i'll bring it to you wouldn't you rather be there rather than scrabbling around looking for a book allowing somebody to bring you the right page from every book that you didn't know existed. That's what your creative brain does. That's what it's designed to do. This is where you get all this intuition, all of these new ideas, creative ideas, you know, gut feelings, imagination. This is where it all comes from. It doesn't come from your limited, you know, library of, of um, information that you've mm -hmm. gathered in your life. It's from somewhere different. And we've had this experience. What we need to understand is there's a biological basis this actually is a physical thing. It's not just some magical, eerie-fairy idea. It's how your brain is, is biologically wired to work. So when you realize that, it's like you say, do I read? Well, if, if something grabbed my attention, I'd probably read it. But nothing, but not a lot of the stuff does. I spend more time getting more ideas from, as I say, from another source. Than, right. Than Books. Is there is there any particular like time of day or setting where these ideas come to you? Like for example, I found when I'm outside, the good ideas hit me a lot better. Like they, I would just be walking with my wife or my kids or something just outside on a trail or in a park, and when I'm in nature is I find when those good ideas really come to me. Is there a particular environment that you're in or a time of day? I think that's a good point about a connection with nature. I, I live in a motorhome, so um, you know I'm always stepping outside and going for a little walk because we go somewhere different pretty well every day. Going, you know, we're in the mountains at the moment, and and just go out and just. But it's not so much where you are; it's where on the outside. It's where that puts you on the inside. If it mm -hmm. takes you to a space where you just are letting go naturally, and when you're in nature, you know. Very few of us spend any time in nature, and very few of us are aware of what nature actually is. And when you start to really look, you're, you you would be, you become absolutely astounded at what nature, the perfection of everything thing that is. And when you start to become aware of that, that's when you can become connected to it and start to allow this creative brain, which is your natural connection to everything natural, um, that can start speaking to you. Yeah. But it's a bit like, you know, if you want the answer to something, if you're standing shouting your your own stuff at somebody and you're not listening, how can you hear when the answer comes? If you're busy trying to get information and reading books and trying to figure all this stuff out and getting your thinking brain going a thousand miles an hour, you you can't hear any any answers coming to you. So yeah, being in nature is a good one. But again, I think the important thing, a lot of people listening are probably going, taking a note, right, I'm going to go and spend time in nature here. The point is you've got to realize what's right for you. You know, you can get ideas from other people. And what I'm trying to teach people is everything that you need to be the best that you can be is already within you. You just need to utilize what you've already got. You don't need to go and get, you know, there's nothing missing in your life other than just retuning your brain so that which comes from awareness and understanding so that you're using this machine the right way. And then that's the, the right things will happen for you in your life, which are going to be different to everyone else. You know, this whole idea of copying other people and learning from other people, it's not helpful because, you know, you're you're a unique person. 
you've got a unique brain allow that to show you what you need to do and it will i think that is a great place to end it that is a golden piece of advice right there i, I love every bit of that this has been an excellent conversation liam i really appreciate it i've learned so much um, and it was perfect timing too it was a great conversation and it's a conversation i needed to have needed to hear needed to receive um, uh, if you don't mind sharing with the listeners how they can get in touch with you, where they can find your courses or connect with you on social media. Great. Well, my, everything's just on my website, which is just my name, liamnaden.com. And you'll notice if you go there, <clears throat> I've got a free course, How to Unlock Your Success Brain, which shows you a, a quick way, if you like, that quick fix way, how to start using your creative brain and come up with solutions to problems and see your life in a different and more resourceful and much better way. So I've got a free course there. I've also got a podcast around my my theme, which is let yourself off the hook. That's my message. Let yourself off the hook. Stop taking responsibility and trying to make your life work through struggle and stress and all of that sort of thing and allow your creative brain to do its job for you. So it's all on my website, just liamnaden.com. Awesome. I appreciate it. Well, Liam, thank you so much again for your time. It was greatly appreciated. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great to talk to you. Absolutely. All right, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed the content. I know I certainly enjoyed having the conversation. If you did, make sure to leave a review or comment on this episode. Let Liam know what you thought about his, his perspective and ideas in our conversation. Check out his content at liamnatum.com. I will put the link down in the description of the episode so you know how to get to it if you didn't know how to spell his name or what have you. But with that being said, I appreciate everyone who listened as always. Until next time, y'all take care.